especially being a mom, you get a lot of mom guilt, you know, when you leave your kids and you go to work. So, you know, it always helps when you feel like you're doing something that can really help other people. Thanks for tapping on this episode. This is your host Kushi Khare and you are listening to The Women's Stories, the only Indian podcast where I bring extraordinary stories of unconventional business women. Let me inform you this before, this particular episode is for people who are interested in child nutrition or for the parents of kids between 1 to 5 who are looking to get expert advice on child nutrition. Sanjita Daswani is a Hong Kong based child nutrition consultant with Indian roots. She is on a mission to empower parents with the knowledge they need to enhance their child's lifestyles, diets, and most of all their baby's needs. She believes in making every meal experience for a child memorable in a good way. I found her quest extremely intriguing and wanted to know more about her. So here we are. Let's welcome Sanjita Daswani and learn child nutrition from the expert directly. First of all I uh, warmly welcome you to the season 2 of the Women's Stories a podcast that inspires young women to explore entrepreneurship and have faith in the destiny so uh, my first question for you is what are the three most common uh, struggles that every woman faces while feeding her toddler Yeah so I think that the main uh, issue is really related to the fact that you know we expect our kids to eat a lot more than they actually need to. So I think it's more about just giving up that control and letting our kids decide how much they need to eat, right? Cuz that is always their role. There's something called the division of responsibility. And and what that means is that your role as a parent in feeding is you are going to decide what your child is eating, right? So we have to create a balanced meal where they are eating it meaning sitting down in a certain location and when they are eating it meaning you are offering them foods at regular intervals it is their job to decide if they're going to eat and how much they're going to eat so as soon as we say you know please have one bite oh it's yummy just try it we are trying to get into their role and decide that they need to eat this and they need to eat how much of it you know and as soon as our kid says i don't want it i want the banana and we run in the kitchen and we get the banana or make something else that's our kids trying to decide that okay no uh, we don't need to eat what's on the table we can choose what we want to eat but that is not their role now of course this is easier said than done um but as soon as we understand that only they know what their body needs you know um it's like you know you know imagine if you're sitting at the lunch table and someone's telling you you need to finish that bowl now you know for all of us some days we're more hungry and some days we're not as hungry so same thing with kids you know some days they might not be as hungry for lunch but we still expect them to finish that bowl you know completely every single day and i think that's where the struggle is so it really is about kind of letting go at meal times and instead creating a positive environment you know just letting them enjoy because fam- like meal times are about family times about engaging yeah i mean i i, I do know that you do have indian roots and in yeah. india you know how the mothers feed 
no, we, we can't help it because obviously we want our kids to be healthy and you know but we also need to understand that you know they are kids they're going to make a fuss and as soon as we start putting so much pressure on them it's going to backfire it's not going to work and unfortunately that's why so many of us as adults have issues with eating you know we're running to nutritionists and the nutritionists are telling us listen to your body are you really full because we don't we've lost track of our hunger cues because growing up we were just told eat 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 and we've never listened to our body so so what i try and do and even it's a work in progress even with my kids i'm still trying to be like it's okay they didn't want to eat that much it's fine it's not easy but as soon as we let go honestly everything becomes much easier so how do eating habits change between 0 to 6 years of age so i think uh, so normally when they start eating it's around 6 months when they start solids like actual food right um so generally from the 6 to 12 months you know you know kids generally enjoy eating they try different foods because it's a new experience for them and in the first year milk is still a priority you know so it really isn't about how much they're eating it's about creating that meal time environment teaching them about meal times and how to feed themselves uh post one year of age uh, all kids go through a phase called neophobia it's a fear of new foods so it's very normal for them to start rejecting foods they didn't like and they're also learning to run around they learn to say the word no so they try and you know assert their independence that's why it's so important for them to feel in control of meal time so they don't feel the need to do that and and uh, it's it's very normal for them to not eat as much because remember in the first year they're tripling their birth weight so they need more calories but post one they're gaining like very few kgs a year so even though they're exerting a lot of energy you know their body doesn't need as many calories as they did in the first year so you know the best thing we can do is really let them have a positive relationship with food uh you know let them sit down with you guys eat the same food they don't need to eat as much as we do just give a little bit of everything and you know let them decide so it is going to change all kids go through a phase we just have to remember that it's normal it's part of the process you know it's okay get them in the kitchen get them involved in meal times take them to the supermarket show them the foods you know because we just bring the food out and we're like okay you have to eat this you know they don't know where the food has come from how it you know was made what's in it so um you know it it's very normal for them to be a bit resistant towards it and uh you know especially when they start understanding and speaking so it's going to change and we just have to adapt to it and do our best yeah and just a curiosity question like after 3 years of age a child start going to school uh, yeah. yeah and uh, like uh, there are tricks and tactics that you know make the food decorative so that he or she yes. opens the lunch box and eat but what if the child is reluctant and he's not ready to eat the food or you know just not ready to check what is in the lunch box so how a mother could ensure that even at a distance the child is eating the food yeah so i think that it's very important to always include a safe food with the meal now what is a safe food right a safe food is something that your kid has accepted before or something that your kid is really enjoying eating for example my kids suddenly are obsessed with tomatoes so if for example i'm offering something new i'm putting something in their lunch box that i'm not sure they will like i will make sure i'm always adding one or two pieces of tomato because then i know that there's something in the lunch box or there's something at meal times that can attract them to it one 
you know, because they hear they're like, okay, tomatoes and eating begets eating. So once they eat the tomatoes, then they're listening to their body and saying, oh, wait, I'm hungry. Oh, what's this here? They might touch it. They might not eat it. It's fine. But at least it's the one step to get them to actually maybe interact with the food and maybe, you know, try it. So I use the tomatoes to get them to the table. And then once they're sitting and they're okay, then I'm like, okay, um, you know, here's your rice, here's your dal, here's your other stuff. And I let them you know, choose what they want to eat. So even with lunch boxes, I mean, there's so many things you can do. Um, so try and put a safe food, like if your kids love cheese, make sure there's a small piece of cheese. And with any new foods or anything they don't love, don't put too much of that. Because if they see if they open the lunch box, and they see a big piece of that, they're going to freak out. So you'd rather have the safe food and put very small pieces, you know, they don't need to be eating as much anyways that we think. So it's about making sure that they feel safe and they don't feel that pressure. And I actually like, you know, lunch boxes as a way to expose them because you're not there. So they don't have the pressure from the parents to eat. So you might be surprised they might come back without, you know, meaning having eaten the food. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's an intriguing trick. Uh, I hope that all the mothers would take this from this episode. And often uh, baby throws out milk in initial years. Uh, is it normal uh, to throw out milk in this way? And what are the usual reasons behind this phenomena? So, um, see, in the first year, breast milk or formula are the primary sources of nutrition. So it's very important that you are feeding your baby, you know, either breast milk or formula. Both are totally fine. And even when they start solids, you know, they're still having majority of the milk you know as they start eating more milk will naturally decline but you still need to keep that set amount now post one um you know kids don't actually need milk to survive um but um and and actually a lot of kids in fact do like to stick to milk and what happens is they won't eat as much because they're having too much milk but post one you should never exceed 15 ounces of milk because that can actually affect the iron absorption when they're eating food so you know i would recommend recommend that post one, they don't really need a lot of milk. The time you actually give milk is in the morning or in the evening. So morning when they wake up while you're prepping for breakfast, and at night, you can offer some before they um, before they sleep just to make sure they're full for the night. And they don't really need more than you know, four to eight ounces. So if they do reject it suddenly, a lot of times they reject it because we try and get rid of the bottle and they don't want it from the bottle they want it, you know, I mean, they only want in the bottle not from the cup. So uh, it's all about practicing from an early age. So all my clients from seven months, their babies are practicing drinking from a straw cup, having some water. So by the time they're one, it's easy for them to transition to cow's milk if they want. Uh, cow's milk is a superfood because it has everything, you know, a kid needs in terms of like protein, fat, vitamin D, all that, but they don't need it to thrive. So if they stop for whatever reason, you know, don't worry about it. Just make sure their food is anyways balanced and has a lot of nutrition. So basically, I mean, uh, like if the child is uh, fed more than uh, his or her capacity, then uh, he or she will throw out the milk. I mean, the digestive uh, system would react in a way that it like automatically comes out from the mouth. Yeah, so they tend to, yeah, most of the times they will spit out the milk if they are overfed, to be honest. You know, so if they've or if they've had a meal and then soon after you give milk and they've just had too much. So most of the times my clients, the babies throw up because they're fed too soon after a meal or because, you know, their body is just uh, they're They're actually too full and they don't need as much milk. And we still keep trying to give it because they didn't eat much, you know, and then parents realize very rarely, you know, kids throw up because 
of uh, an, uh, a sensitivity to the milk or something like that. But that you can check with your doctor. But most of the times it's just about pacing it. And post one, they really don't need as much milk. So, so don't, you know, worry about that. I mean, got it. So uh, what is the appropriate process to start weaning? What kind of flavors should be initially introduced and so forth in the next years? Yeah, so so in order to start weaning, um, you need to make sure your baby has met some developmental signs. So these usually show up around six months. So they should be able to sit with minimal support. They should be able to pick up things with their hand and put it in their mouth. Their tongue thrust reflex should be gone. So if you put a spoon in their mouth, they shouldn't be sticking their tongue out. And they should have an interest in food. Once you see all these signs, you can start off, start off with weaning. Um, babies' foods don't need to be bland number one. So all seasonings are okay, except for salt, sugar. Uh, we avoid salt till post one. Sugar, you know, especially refined sugar, we don't want babies to get used to sweeteners. But there's no harm in adding seasonings. You know, you add your haldi, jeera, you know, the kothmir, you know, add chutneys, all of that. Uh, cinnamon, if you're giving fruit, you know, we want them to eventually eat what we are eating. So we should use the same spices. You know, even my clients at nine months, they start using a pinch of curry powder, garam masala, you know, babies can actually handle it. So, and I also recommend, you know, don't add breast milk or formula to the foods, you know, because we want them to enjoy the natural flavors. So obviously if you want them to eat, we want the food to taste good. So, you know, I would recommend just do a variety, you know, make the foods flavorful. flavorful. If you're non-veg, add, you know, bone broth to it. Vegetarian, add a veg broth. It's good for their immunity. And, uh, you know, slowly work up with a variety of fruits and veggies, then start adding some protein in because they need the protein. Cook with oils, olive oil, avocado oil, ghee, you know, butter, all of this is great fats. They need the fats for brain growth. So, you know, this is what I really try and do. Guide parents on when to introduce what. But really, um, don't worry about, you know, in including these. It's, it's really, really good for them, uh, nutrient-wise, and to make them get, you know, develop their taste buds as well. Every country has a different meal pattern. What difference do you observe while preparing a meal plan for an Asian and a non-Asian client? So honestly, for me, uh, for all my, for all the babies, it's all about variety, right? And you also need to think about, you know, where your kid is living and what food you're going to offer and just get them used to that taste. So, you know, and I think all of us right now are quite international, you know, we offer a whole variety of cuisines at home. So it really is about, you know, even in terms of preparation, it's more about, okay, where's the client from? What foods do they eat? And let's figure out the right time to introduce it, you know? So most clients are open to offering their kids a variety. So we tend to, you know, just do everything in, in that sense. So it's not really that it needs to be different. And actually it can take, a, you know, for example, if you offer your baby something they don't like it, it can actually take them up to 15 times to accept a food. So it's all about, you know, continuous exposure, different tastes. You might be surprised your kids might like something that you think they wouldn't have liked and vice versa. So in terms of preparing the meal plans and all, it's it really is about also, you know, what's local, what's seasonal, that's the best. So, you know, a lot of my clients in India, like, you know, strawberries and blueberries weren't in season. So we didn't include that. And when mangoes were in season, we were offering that, you know, the fresh, freshest is the best. So, you know, we really look at what is available there. What is everyone eating at home? And we start to, um, you know, expose the kids to that early on and give them multiple exposures so that, you know, they have the opportunity and even cooking it in different ways. So really think about, you know, what, what you want to offer your kids and, and what you guys eat at home. Is there any like 
Sanjita's original recipe for kids that always work as a savior, like that you have almost included in every meal chart? Yeah, so I think, um, especially for toddlers, um, one of the best things is, you know, a lot of toddlers like roti, like they like to eat pieces and just have it plain. So even if you're giving your kid a roti and they don't want to eat the sabzi, for example, then you literally do roti, jaggery, and because kids like jaggery because it's sweet, plus it has iron. Roti, jaggery, ghee, you know, that's so simple. If I'm or, if I'm giving my kids something that I'm not sure they like, I know I have that. That has the carbs, it has the iron, it has the fat. So even if they only eat the roti, I know that you know, they're going to be okay. And that's all they, you know, they'll be full with that. So, you know, that is definitely something that has worked really well. And even um, smoothies, pancakes, there's a lot of things. I think every kid is really different. So um, another thing that works well is like, you know, chocolate ice cream, chocolate milk, using the cocoa powder, sorry, the cacao powder. Um, You know, kids get excited about that because it's chocolate. And um, or I use spirulina and I make ice cream and I say it's monster ice cream because it's green. So, you know, it's just about making it fun for the kids and making them feel excited about what they're eating. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jackery, that that's that's the desi meal. I mean, coming from the Indian route. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, with your experience, what would you advise uh, young minds about this field, child nutrition? Uh, because many students might be listening to this episode who are keen uh, in child nutrition. Yeah, so I think like I remember when I was trying to study about this, like I was looking online for so many courses because I felt like everything was all about adults. And even all the nutrition courses were basically they'd have one chapter on children, but the rest was all about adults. And actually what a baby and toddler needs is very different to what an adult needs or, you know, it's not enough to just do one chapter or one section. So you, you don't even need to do a full nutrition course in that sense, but try and find something that specializes in baby nutrition so that you can obviously understand really what babies and, and, and toddlers need. And honestly, for me, it really is about experience and working with different clients. And I think you realize that every kid is very different. So it's all about finding, you know, what works for the parent and the child, and, you know, adjusting to that. Yeah. So is there like any course, uh, online course that could make a person certified child nutritionist? Yeah, so I did a course with O Baby Nutrition um, in Canada. So they are an online academy and they literally only focus on, you know, um, moms who are pregnant, then like how to help with their health. And then uh, they have a course for babies as well. So basically they teach you everything about like, you know, the equipment you need, should you do baby led weaning or spoon feeding, all that, you know, nitty gritties. Because if you talk to a pediatrician as well, their focus is not on, food they'll just say okay start give them whatever you eat but there's so much more to it there's so much more details and I would recommend anyone even if you're doing a course like I did the course but I after that did about 20 more mini courses I was reading every day so especially if you decide to do a service you want to be the best you want to have that skill set right so even after you do a course don't stop there you have to keep up with what's happening the latest. So keep studying, you know, keep doing mini courses, you know, follow people on Instagram. You can learn so much from other experts as well. And with each client, you can learn a lot and you keep building it in that way. So don't stop learning and, you know, studying about it. It's a lifelong thing. So definitely if you want to do it, it's up, like I didn't do it till 
I had my kids because till then I didn't care about child nutrition. So I think it's more when you have a kid and you realize that, wow, I wish I had someone to tell me. And that's when I was like, you know what, I need to take things into my own hands. So I think a lot of times these professions and what you want to do comes out from real life situations you've dealt with. So, you know, for me, that was great. And now I enjoy what I do because I can apply a lot of it to my kids. So, you know, it really is about finding something where you can, you know, help people as well. And you feel like your time is worth spending. Like now I have to take time away from my kids, but I know it's worth it because I'm able to help other moms. So, so really think about, you know, what you're good at and how you can kind of take that in and, and uh, help other people. And, you know, and especially if you want to do a service, what is that skill and something that you don't feel is so out there from what you're doing in life. So, you know, because then it really separates work and life and you kind of want to be able to find that balance, especially being a mom, you get a lot of mom guilt, you know, when you leave your kids and you go to work. So, you know, it always helps when you feel like you're doing something that can really help other people. Yeah, I mean, I can feel that. And I think you do, you must be doing a lot of studies for every client. But as you said, every client is different. So, yeah, yeah. 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 So could you uh, please give a quick meal plan to working parents who are into nine to five jobs? Okay, for the for the parents or for the babies or uh, for the babies, like how uh, parents could. Yes. Yeah. So honestly, um, it's very simple in the sense there's four main things every meal needs to have for your kid. So the main thing is you need to focus on breakfast, lunch and dinner. Babies and toddlers don't really need snacks. It's more like a gap in case you feel there's too many hours in between it so the four main things every meal should have is one should be a carb so make sure there's either something like a roti or rice or even any root veggie like potato and then or lentils even has carbs so one is carbs two is make sure you're cooking with the fat so make sure you're cooking with an oil coconut oil olive oil ghee butter make sure there's a fat so carb fat Make sure every meal has a source of protein. If you're non-veg, it will be the chicken, the egg, turkey, uh, whatever it is, pork, whatever you want to feed. If you're a vegetarian, you know, you'll have your lentils, you'll have your beans. Make sure you're adding nuts and seeds to every meal because that's the one thing we tend to miss out on, right? Like you'll give a kid a fried rice and it will have the rice, it will have the oil we cook it in, but we don't add the tofu, we don't add the egg, we forget about the protein. So make sure there's a carb, fat, protein, and make sure there's a fruit or veggie. You know, they need the they need that for their immunity to um, expose them to variety. So, you know, even if you're doing like a potato tiki, right, the carb would be the potato, the fat would be the ghee you cook it in, the veggies would be whatever you're adding to it. Um, but then you have to make sure there's some protein. That's what we're missing. So either serve it with yogurt or you can add some nuts or seeds to the batter and that's it. That's a, you know, a complete meal. So it doesn't need to be difficult. You know, even pasta is fine. Just get whole wheat pasta, semolina pasta. That's the carb, you know, cook it in like a veggie sauce and then, you know, add some nuts or seeds or add, you know, serve it with some chicken pieces. That's your protein. And, you know, you have everything you need there. So just focus on those four main things. Yeah, I think that's the benefit of talking with experts on internet. Everything seems so complicated, like you need to do this and that. Exhausting. So that's why I think that's why I'm doing what I do, because, you know, at least then, you know, okay, this is what I need to focus on. And then every meal you can just say, okay, okay, I have these four things. Okay, I'm done. 
you know, and, and just rotate as much as you can. So, you know, that's why I give my clients a whole list of all the carbs so they can rotate the carb for every meal. So it's not like you're giving rice every day. You know, you don't have to because we don't know how much they're going to eat. But what we can do is make sure we're giving a balanced meal and we're offering variety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, do you wish more fathers were also aware of child nutrition? What initial steps can they take to learn the same? Um. So it depends on the father and it depends on how involved they want to be. So obviously, I think uh, it's very important for them to somehow be part of mealtimes and be part of the prep. Because when kids see that, they feel like it's not like a forbidden place, the kitchen. They feel everyone can go into it and everyone can be part of mealtimes. Because the number one thing to help kids eat their food is when they are part of the cooking process. You know, when they are making the food, when they are making decisions, what goes in, they are more likely to eat it. So if they feel like everyone else is also going in the kitchen and open to making their food, it's actually such a great and fun activity to do. So it's not necessarily that the dads need to cook or they need to feed their kids but just being there eating with them sharing with them like a lot of times when my husband is eating my kids will want to go and sit with him and eat what he's having because you know obviously kids learn through modeling behavior and they want to do everything we do so for them to just be present whenever they can and eat with the kids when they can and you know get into the kitchen even if it's to make a simple smoothie or cut a fruit you know that can really help with the relationship kids will have with food Actually, it's quite sweet. Like I've had quite a few meetings with clients where the dad has also been part of the meeting. So I, I really, I really appreciate that and enjoy that. Most of the times it's just with the mom. Um, but like even my husband has no idea what my kids eat. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just part of the process. But it's nice sometimes to see when the dads come on the call and they're asking the questions as well and they want to be involved because it is quite overwhelming for a mom as well. It's such a new experience and, you know, to kind of accept the information and, be okay with how your child eats is not easy. So lastly, a crucial message that you have learned so far from the essence of motherhood. So I think it really is to um, chill and just be because I think sometimes we get very overwhelmed when we see the amount of information out there. So we think we have to do a hundred things. So even with food, I know sometimes when my clients see my Instagram, they get a bit like, oh my God, there's so much info or what to do. And, and, and I think the main thing is, you know, chill, relax. But if you feel there's something off or something wrong, there's, it's, it's worth it contacting an expert. You know, it's worth going to check because most of the time the mother's instinct is correct. So if you feel something is off and you want to fix it, or if your child's not eating or, you know, um, there's something you feel is off, it's always just, just get it checked because I think early intervention really helps. And these are the years that will really develop their relationship with everything in life so you know starting young will definitely help yeah that was a perfect uh, wrap to this episode and i hope that you thoroughly enjoyed this conversation as much i did i, I mean I, i'm not a mother i'm a 21 year old so i'm just collecting all the information that yeah no pro- it's always good to be aware of these things and i wish i knew more when i had my kids so that i knew i would have a plan or someone i could go to so obviously knowledge is power and having this information is always helpful so thank you so much for having me if you like this episode don't forget to share it with your friends and family do tag me on your social media handles up till then take care of yourselves and keep spreading love i'll talk to you soon